Thank you, instrumentalists, and especially we had a new piano player today, I see. Excellent. Isaiah, that's excellent. Okay, we're go- bring up that first slide. That will just give us the title to our consideration. Remember, we started last week, and this is our last session, uh, what's commonly referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. Now, we left off at a certain point last week. We'll just have a br- very brief review uh, after our readings, now we're going to have going to have selected readings, and I know I have some helpers already. Uh, yes, here they are. Thank you, and and please uh, announce the passage that you're reading as well. All right, this is reading from Matthew chapter five. This is verses twenty through twenty-six. For I tell you. Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge, and the judge to the guard, and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. All right, this is uh, Matthew 6, 1 through 7. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpets before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that you, uh, your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees what is in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in, in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty word, uh, empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. I'm reading uh, Matthew six nineteen through 24. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. If, therefore, your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If, therefore, the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon.
Matthew 7, verse 1. Judge not that you not be judged, for with the judgment you pronounce you will be judged, and with the measure you use it will be, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. And I'm reading from Matthew seven twenty four to the end of the chapter. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may, give, may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against the house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against the house, and it fell. And it was a great fall. When Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Thank you, readers. And I trust that uh, the Spirit of God will impress upon our hearts the importance, the solemnity of these words, of this uh, teaching that the Lord Jesus offered. We're in the series Life of Christ, and I trust we'll be able to see how these apply to us. And in fact, uh, that's what we want to remind ourselves. It's so-called Sermon on the Mount. It's a proclamation concerning the king and his kingdom. And we want to make it exceeding personal to self, to preacher, to hearer. How do you do life? I trust that question will come up as we go through many of these. We won't touch on all of them, but we trust to uh, uh, gather what we can in the time we have available. So, uh, we do want to say that that the uh, sermon shows, this is just a, 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 re, a repeat, shows how a person who is in right relationship with God should conduct his life. There are those that would teach this is a way of life, a way to get to heaven, but that is not what the scripture teaches. Uh, the Lord Jesus himself said, if I want to be in the kingdom of God, I must be converted, become as a little child, and then gain entrance. It summarizes the character and conduct expected of the subject, of his subjects. It was meant for all, uh, past, present, and future who acknowledge Christ as king. Now, <clears throat> what we didn't, I don't think we touched on last week was, uh, the Lord Jesus preached the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. And there is the literal aspect of the kingdom coming. There will be there will be a thousand year reign uh, in the Bible. It speaks of and the Lord will reign from Jerusalem as king. That is going to happen. It was rejected then. But however, the kingdom of God is present right now. Where? In my heart, in your heart, if you know the Lord Jesus as savior. Listen to the words of those that would come and criticize the Lord. Uh, when he was demanded of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God comes not with observation or with signs to be observed. Observed. Neither shall they say, lo, here or there. Behold, the kingdom of God is within you. So the challenge for us to, to realize this morning, he was saying to the Pharisees that were saying, we want the kingdom of God. We don't want to be under this Roman uh, rule. We want the kingdom of God right now. 
What he's saying is the kingdom of God is here. In fact, when the Lord Jesus was here, as he would cast out demons, he would say the kingdom of God has come upon you because he was able to do it through the power of God. And we thank our God that now today, just like in the day of our Lord, now today, if you know the Lord Jesus as Savior, the kingdom of God is within you. King of my life, I crown thee now. Thine shall the glory be. It's in our, the king, the rule, the, the king rules in the hearts of his people. So we have, how do you do life? We have a rule of life. We're going to be learning about that shortly to seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, the righteousness of God and the rule of God. We are called to seek as individual believers. But again, that only applies to those who know the savior. It is not a way whereby we can gain merit into God's kingdom. So how do you do life? We uh, just we won't go back over this, but we touched on the fact that we challenge ourselves to which kingdom do you, do you belong to which kingdom do I belong? We are every individual. Every human being is either a child of says children of God or children of the devil, either the power of darkness or the kingdom of God, one or the other. It's no nowhere, nowhere in between. So we're called upon to live if we know the savior as children of the king. So this is our outline and we'll just go. Briefly through it, the, va- the victories of the Christ life, uh, the values or the verities, the realities, as it were, of the Christ life, and then the values of the Christ life. We left off last week with uh, the, uh, the, the similitudes, if, we, if you will. We looked at various issues in the uh, uh, Beatitudes. By the way, Beatitude... We remind ourselves comes from the word in Latin word, I think, beatus. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. But we know that the Greek word is pronounced is, is translated happy in the word of God. So we find true happiness and contentment. Uh, it, it, it's uh, in the world, but it's from beyond the world. We can find happiness. You know, that's why. Let's face it. Didn't I hear recently two more or one more person ended his life tragically or their life tragically because, you know, this world just cannot offer the contentment or the happiness that it's supposed to be stocked up to be. You know, the riches, the wealth, the popularity, the fame and all this, it isn't worth it. It wasn't good enough, right? Happy, blessed is the one who practices these things. If you know the Savior, we sometimes sing. Happiness is to know the Savior, right? Living a life within the Savior. Having a change in my behavior. Happiness is the Lord. So there is the happiness to be found. First of all, that Christ indwells our heart and we have a king that, that lives within us and we seek to please that king and there will be a change in my behavior. If I say I'm a Christian, we're going we're gonna to see that at the end of our sermon here. If I say I'm a Christian, there will be differences in my life. There will be a drastic change of behavior because Christ rules as king. So we left off with what we might term the similitudes that we are the salt. Those that know the savior are the salt and light that are in the world. In other words, that uh, to demonstrate the impact that such disciples would have in those verses, uh, uh, 2 through 12, to demonstrate the impact, the Lord Jesus says that here the uh, in, in the world or in the earth, these two things would be, uh, we would be, salt and light. Now, again, in our song and in the scriptures, the, word, the verse says, you are the salt. 
Not you will be the salt. You are the salt. Let's be salty or worthless. If I were to go around the room and say, how many of us want to be worthless salt? I don't think anybody would raise their hand. Let's take a poll. Saints, how many want to be worthless salt? No, but that's what he's saying. You are the salt of the world. And if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It's good for nothing. How many want to be a good for nothing Christian? Nope. I trust we're saying no in our head and in our hearts. We don't want to be. We want to have an impact on the world. You are the salt of the earth, right? The world. Uh, and you're the light of the world. We want to be that which influences, right? Influences the wicked world in which I live. We touched on that last week. Now, we're going to go into uh, <clears throat> the uh, what we might call statutes. Uh, we had the similitudes and other things prior in the, in the Beatitudes. But then in, in verse 17 to the end of the chapter... The law of God is highlighted, but the enlargements on the law by the Lord Jesus, uh, we're going to see them. Now, what happened here? Let's just face it. What happened is he was coming in. The Lord Jesus, the sinless, righteous one, was coming in to a very religious system that was very proud of their externalism, of their formalism. And once they realized that he was going to the heart, they didn't want to have it. Right. In fact, it was early in the life of the Lord Jesus that they... They took counsel to destroy him, to put him out so that they could continue on in their religiosity. They didn't want any truth. They just wanted the externalism, the formalism. But that's what they, that's what the Lord Jesus came to reveal. He said, I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter the kingdom of God. What the Pharisees had and what many religious people have today is formality and not reality, right? They have legality and not spirituality. A list of do's and don'ts. Do this, do this, do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do that. And, and if I, if I maintain that kind of a rigid list, why God will surely accept me, you know, like that Pharisee. I thank God that I might let this tax gatherer here. You know, that's the way that's the way we do in our hearts. Right. We like to boost ourselves. We like to make much of ourselves. But except unless your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees, you shall in no wise enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, in the progressive revelation of God, we see how that could come about. Right. Because he who was made sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. If you're here this morning, you know, the Savior, your righteousness has exceeded the righteousness of the Pharisees. Praise God. But it's not of yourself. It's of him. So what they did is they quoted the letter of the law, but they ignored the spirit of the law. You see, when Paul said the law is spiritual, right? The law is spiritual. The Ten Commandments and all that was in the law, it's spiritual. It came forth from God who is spirit. So it came, it comes forth in that sense that what God was, 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 uh, was, uh, displaying or, 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 or saying was that it's, it's a matter of the spirit, not of the external. You know, we're going to see that as we look into that. What they're interested in was externalities and that was it. For instance, um, notice the common phrase in starting in verse number 21. There's six enlargements of the law or uh, a deeper look into the law. 
Verse 21, you have heard that it has been said, but I say unto you, verse 22. Number two, verse 27, you have heard that it was said by them of old time, verse 28, but I say unto you. That's the second. Number three, it has been said, verse 31, whoever shall put away his wife, let him write a, uh, uh, get a writing of divorcement. 32, but I say unto you, verse, uh, that's, that's number three. Number four, uh, again, 33. You have heard it had been said, but I say unto you. Number five, verse 38. You have heard that it had been said unto you, but I say unto you. So what he's doing, he's, his, his word is superseding the law, you see, because he's speaking of the spiritual nature of it. It's a wonderful thing. Let's let's take an example. I wish I see the time is is moving, but let's just take an example. Here's the thing. Watch this. You have heard verse 21. It has been said, you shall not kill. Whoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you. So what he's doing is he's enlarging it, the, 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 uh, the law. Whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever shall say, thou fool, shall be uh, in danger of hell fire. So what we have here is there is a root that bears the fruit. A person, a religious person, any person may get away with it. They don't murder, but in their heart they have. In their heart. You see, murder may be committed uh, by the hand, but it's conceived in the heart. And that's what the Lord Jesus is saying. He's enlarging upon the law. They could get away with something in the external nature, but that was it. No more. There, there was uh, three conditions stemming from one uh, law that make a person liable to judgment. It's not merely external, but it's internal. We're going to see that if we had time to go through each of these, that that is the case. And, and, it, and it applies to our social life as well. Look at this in verse number 23. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar. In other words, spiritual uh, uh, activity is, is, is linked to social activity. My worship is related to my walk. So, so I have to beware as a child of God. How do you do life? How do I do life? If I'm sitting there, you know, I can't stand that brother there. Or even that, that man, that co-worker the Lord has put with me. He's just no good. He needs to be out of here. He needs to go down. Well, you, you hear what we say, right? You, you, you hear there's hatred going on, stirring in the heart. And we have never, oh, I've never been arrested. Oh, look, I've kept myself clean, you see. I've kept myself clean. But in the heart, right, there's this activity that says, uh-oh, there's trouble here. You see, the Lord doesn't look on the outward appearance. Oh, well, he sees the outward appearance, but he looks on the heart. He looks on the heart. And so we need to be where the Lord says there's that, that, that there's uh, this activity. Uh, it's related to spiritual and the social. For instance, let's go to the next one. Uh, and, and let me finish that one, that, that reconciliation must be accomplished. If there's a problem between individuals, it must be accomplished. If I go on without reconciling myself to that brother or sister, and I'm stewing all the while, stew, 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 I can hardly, I'm about to boil over. And it's about to let loose. It's about to let loose, you know. And I may not, I may not pull the gun, or whatever the whatever the instrument is, but I've already did it in my heart because I'm so stewing mad at this person. They've offended me or whatever the case. Right. So we need to guard our hearts. How do you do life? How do I do life? How do you function? OK, here's the Christ life. Let's follow the example. Now, here, let's look at one more. Ah, you have heard verse 27. It was said by them of old time, you shall not commit adultery. But I say unto you, whoever looks on a woman to lust after her has committed adultery with her already in the heart. You see, what he's establishing here, I believe, is 
is differentiating between the external righteousness of Pharisees and religiosity and the the spirit of the law. You remember you remember the Pharisees when the Lord was teaching, he bring he he the, the, he's teaching uh in a, in a in a temple and they bring a woman taken in adultery. <laughs> hey master, look at this woman. She was taken in adultery in the very act. What are you going to do? The Moses said the law said to stone her. I wonder where the man was. <laughs> what are they protecting him? You know, it was one of their buddies or something. You know, we, we, we've got to beware, right? That, that, that they're just trying to, 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 to uh, get the, the, the letter of the law, uh, uh, born out on this, this woman. Now, we're not diminishing the sin of adultery. No, no. No, no. The, the Lord is not doing that. Uh, we, we might also note that emotional adultery and physical adultery are both wrong. But they are not the same. They are not the same. We're not diminishing the fact that adultery is wrong. But we can see in the progressive revelation of God, uh, as here he's establishing the external righteousness, differentiating this external righteousness and the internal righteousness that is necessary. As the, uh, the, the revelation of God goes on, we can see Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. In other words, Sin dwells in me as I'm a child of God. Sin dwells in me. But as I learn to walk in the spirit, you see, I will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The desire will not become a deed. You see, the fantasy won't become a fact as I move along. So it's, it's not diminished. We're not diminishing the, the, the fact that adultery is a sin. But he's establishing here that there's something deeper. It's a matter of the heart. You see, and as I move on, I realize in, in, in the revelation of God that, that I do have these things present with me. But blessed be God. He has given me the internal. He has given me the righteousness of God, and I'm able to function in life in that way. So there's much more that could be said about uh, many of these, but I do want to move out of the chapter and say this. Chapter number six, there's three secret practices that the Lord brings out the first one uh is is alms giving it's i know it's variously translated as acts of kindness or righteousness excuse me in verse number one and two of chapter six and then in regard to praying these things are, are often done and in fasting these things are often done in an ostentatious way let me have your attention folks i'm about to give some money let me have your attention i'm about to have my name inscribed on the pew. You see, I want, I want everybody to look at me. And when I pray, you see, I stand in the streets and I pray with this loud, ostentatious voice. You know what that says about the Pharisee? He prayed with himself. <laughs> he prayed with the, he wasn't praying to the Lord. He prayed with himself. And I think that's what he's he calls, calling us to beware. That we're to do things secretly, right? The father which sees in secret shall reward thee openly. Somebody said the secret of the Christian life is the secret Christian life. If we appear, if you appear to be what you are not, you are not what you ought to be. In other words, trying to make a show, an ostentatious show, I'm sure. Look at my flowery prayers. Look at my charitable deeds. Look at the way I fast. I contort my face and everybody can tell that I'm enduring this hardness for the sake of the Lord. 
No, no. He says to do these things in secret. And by the way, it says when. Verse number three, when you uh, do alms or, or do righteous deeds, when you pray and when you fast. Verse 16. These are things that we ought to be doing just in a secret kind of way. Remember, in a secret kind of way, our father who sees in secret shall be shall reward us openly. And then there is um, the, the, the uh, secret practices in 1 through 18. And then there's two standard subjects that are considered in 19 through the end of the chapter. Both have to do with materialism. And I know that is a very touchy subject, right? Materialism, because we live in a material world. But uh, the, the two standard subjects are wealth and worry. <clears throat> the Lord Jesus brings this up in verse number 19. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moss and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moss nor rust doth corrupt, where thieves do not break through and steal. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Just to summarize these three things, the citizen of the kingdom, that's what we're talking about now, right? Those that are in the kingdom of God, right? We who know the Savior. If you know the Savior, you're a citizen of the kingdom. The citizen of the kingdom is to beware. Beware of a misplaced heart, a uh, a misdirected eye, and a misused hand in those verses 19 through 24. How is that? Well, he says, where your treasure? Beware. Don't lay up treasure on earth. Uh, where your treasure is, your heart be also. So in other words, I have to beware that, yes, I have to live in a materialistic world, but I am not to hoard riches because they won't last anyway. There's no substance. There's no strength. There's no security in these things. They'll get destroyed. Someone once said it's a 401H and not a 401K, right? We need to beware of these things. The heart must have something to cling to. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also, right? A man must have something to cling to. We uh, uh, And we give our time and our energy and our wealth to our greatest love. Let's, let's face it. We give our time and our energy and our wealth to our greatest love. Uh, but as a, as a child of God, the whole, the whole man will be transformed into the likeness of that which he loves. In other words, if I'm always going to chase money or, or hoard up money, right, and I'm protecting that at all cost, right, I'm going I'm to become just like, oh, listen, there, there's so much counsel in the word of God about this. What does it say in, in 1 Timothy chapter 6 that, that he who uh, the love of money is the root of all evil from which some have uh, coveted after and have erred from the faith and drowned themselves in destruction and perdition. You can look at the life of a believer and you can see one that has just ripped their accounts to death. You see, and, and, and their, their lives are ruined. There's no testimony for the Lord Jesus in this world. Where your treasure is, will your heart be also. These are serious words that I have to lay hold on or I will drown in destruction and perdition. It's possible to have a saved soul but a lost life because of these things. So there's a misplaced heart, a misdirected eye, a misused hand. I cannot serve God and mammon or, or wealth or money. You know, I have one hand or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. So there's a misplaced hand. I'm holding on to these things, these material things, as if that's all I have. Okay, we, we, we must move on uh, out of here. It, it, at the end here, it's, it, the, the Lord is warning about worry. Take no thought. Don't be anxious about uh, things. 
And he, uh, what, what he's saying here is our father knows what things we have need of. He knows, he cares, and he answers. There, herein, we can see God's social security program, as it were. Don't take thought, don't be anxious for these things that you think that you need of. Our father knows. Can you imagine a child of God, and I, all of us have to constantly remind ourselves of this, that, that as I'm going through life and I'm finding a struggle along life's pathway, this narrow way that we're going to read about in a minute, you know, there, there's, there's, there, there's hardship and struggles and trials and scratching your head. Why, Lord? Why do you let this happen? But our Father knows. We comfort ourselves with that. Our Father knows what things we have need of. And he will answer. We're called upon to seek first the kingdom of God. After all these things do the Gentiles seek. In verse number 32. The Gentiles are those that sit in darkness. Those that are heathen that know nothing about the Lord. You and I do. And so we're called upon to seek first the rule of God and the righteousness of God. Here is a recipe for daily living. How do you do life? How do I do life? Seeking first the kingdom of Malcolm? Oh, yes. Remember as a child, you know, this, this kind of thing is impressed upon us from, from, from babyhood on, you know, that, that I'm the captain of my destiny and I make all the rules around here and that kind of thing. And, you know, that's not so. Right. As a child of God, I learned to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. And then chapter number seven, there's the values of the Christ life. Uh, we have the uh, three subjects, at least here, proper judgment, prayer and profession. Now, oftentimes this is quoted, right? People, so professed Christians will say, don't judge me. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. But that is not what the Lord is saying here. There's hypocritical judgment that he's speaking of, trying to judge motives. Because in the very passage in 7, 1 through 6 that he's speaking of, he says, don't give that which is holy unto dogs. I have to exercise judgment for that, right? So there is proper judgment. If we had time, we can look at things that believers are to judge and believers are not to judge. It's all through the scripture. So there's proper Judgment here. We're called upon to judge ourselves ruthlessly, but judge others sparingly. We're called upon to search ourselves for virtues, uh, search others for virtues and ourselves for vices. We're, uh, the faults. This is what he's saying here in this verse number two. Faults that are so hideous in others. I can't stand that Ben Renth, you know, what he did to me. He's got this awful fault. They're hidden to me. They're hideous in him, but I don't see him because I'm going around with a big pole in my eye. And everywhere I go, I'm going to hit somebody. I'm going to hit Ben as I'm trying to get it out of him, right? No, there, there is that aspect, right, that I'm to beware and to um, uh, exercise. It says, and then you, you do, there is judgment, right? There is judgment. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the mean out of your own eye. And then, there's a then, right? You remember when, 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 when um, David sinned, that awful sin of murder and and, and adultery. Who did the Lord send? He sent somebody to judge him. His name was Nathan. And he walked into to, to David. He told a story and he said, you're the man. You see, a person that is judging a right can be a proper judge uh, as directed by the Lord. You're the man. Right. So we need to beware. Uh, and this does think these things require good judgment in uh, verse number six and in, in other places. Judge not according to appearance, but judge righteous judgment. The Lord said. In another passage. And then there's the matter of prayer. Uh, <clears throat> there is a little acrostic. A-S-K. Ask, seek, knock. 
We might say asking, maybe we might look at it this way, as an immediate reply, because we go up and we ask our Father. He may give us immediately knocking. Why, maybe we have to wait a little minute. Wait, wait a short wait. And then seeking, a longer wait. And, you know, when it comes to prayer, we're, we're, it's often been said we live in an instant generation and we want things now. And I know that's the way I operate. I want things right now, like my, dis- my screen disappeared, but that's all right. I want things right now. And that's not always the way it happens with prayer. And our Father, uh, he, he goes on to say how he acts, acts. What man is there, if your son asks bread, will he give him a stone? If he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? Uh, this is how he won't give us anything useless or harmful. And we thank our God uh, for such a, a God as that. Now, lastly, it's the matter of profession. I know we've breezed through this, and there's much, much more that could be said. But beware of false prophets, verse 15, that come to you in sheep's clothing and inwardly are ravening wolves. You can hardly watch Christian television if you know the scripture and well acquainted with the word of God you can see that there are wolves out there that are dressed in sheep's clothing the Lord warned of false prophets in a bygone day and today it's false teachers they can offer your best life now and that's as far as it'll go It won't take you into eternity. Well, it'll take you into eternity lost. But there are false teachers out there that are dressed in uh, sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravening wolves. So the warning here is to beware of our profession. The fruit uh, is no a tree is known by its fruit. And we're uh, encouraged to consider that. Now, in the last few verses, uh, along with profession, There's a warning as well. Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord. It's not only the false teachers and the false prophets that are out there, but could you imagine all that they are leading astray? There's hordes of people that are following these teachers that that have the impression that they are in the kingdom of God and they're going to stand before the Lord one day and say, Lord, Lord, haven't we done all of these things in your presence? We've preached, we've cast out demons, we've done many wonderful works. And he's going to say, Depart from me. I never knew you. What an awful thing to depart from an omnipresent God, a God who is everywhere, and to be unknown by the God who knows everything. I would, nobody would ever choose to be in such a position. But the Lord warns about that here. And we're encouraged to to take, in the last few verses, we're encouraged not just to be hearers, but to be doers. Right. The wise man will hear the words of the Lord and he will take them to heart. He will build his uh, life on the Lord Jesus. Notice what it says. It says in verse number seven, uh, the or no, verse number 24, the wise man built his house upon a rock. And when the storms came, it withstood. Now, there's a uh, the implication seems to be that there was some effort here because in Luke chapter 6, the same uh, 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 correlating passage, it says he dug deep. You know, sometimes we have to find the rock. I don't think, listen, I don't know that they had rinker or that kind of thing to bring the concrete in to pour the foundation for my house. They had to dig deep, 
right? To get to rock, to build their house on. And oftentimes in our life, we have to dig through all of that vain tradition that we pick up along life. All of these uh, uh, worldly ideas, this carnal thinking, I have to dig deep through it to get to the foundation. I'm a Christian. I'm a child of God, but I, and I hear the word of God, but I'm influenced by the, by religious world, religious teachers. And I have to dig through all of that to find what the truth is. You see, I have to dig deep because I'm affected by it. I live in a materialistic carnal world. I live in a religious world that's, that it's pushed on me, but I have to dig through, right? I just can't say, well, you know, what, one of the things that we, we do today, especially as young people, you know, we, we, our, 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 our spirituality or our Christianity is so influenced by, 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 by uh, contemporary Christian music. And, and, and some of the times we sing these things and we're scratching our head if we know the scripture said, where did they get that line from? But a lot of folks live by these things because that's the, the essence or the, the extent of the Christianity they get because it, there's no reading and digging deep into the word of God. There's just Oh, uh, whatever the songwriter says. Oh, it's so lovely to my ears and to my heart. Oh, it must be, it must be Christ-like. How do you do life? How do I do life? Am I digging deep to find the foundation so when the storm comes that, 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 that I'll find security in the Savior? And that's how he ends this uh, Sermon on the Mount. They were utterly amazed that he could bring out such teaching. I might just close with this. We're out of time, but <clears throat> you know what the Pharisees did. We're called upon to answer the question. How do you do life? How do I do life? Am I going to respond or am I just going to squash it all and put it out and say, I don't care. I have my way of life. I have my way of thinking. I'm going to do it. That's what the Pharisees did. They just pressed on in their religiosity with no regard for the internal, no regard for the spiritual law. The, the story is told of a, <clears throat> of a uh, Chinese businessman who was, that was visiting in uh, England. This is years ago when the microscope first came out. And he was fascinated by it, you know. He could see, you could, uh, you could, you could look through this microscope and see all kind of intricacies in the, in the crystals and in the, uh, the insects and all this. He was so enthralled by it, he brings it back home, you see. And he brings it back home and, he's, and he wants to show it off and all. And one day he's sitting down to eat. And, and one of his favorite foods is rice. So he just, ah, I know what I'll do. I'll put a rice kernel under that microscope. And he looks under the microscope. He goes, oh, there's all kind of things crawling in my rice. What do I do? I'll smash the microscope. I'll get it out of the way. I don't need that anymore. That's the answer. I'll smash the microscope. You see, that's what the Pharisees did and that's what we do. When we, we, when we, you get a little bit too close to some Christians and you start probing them with the word of God. Bye bye. I'm not going to talk to you anymore because you offend me. We need to beware, right? That's what we want to do. We want to smash somebody out of existence when they, when, when something of my heart is revealed. No, no, I don't want to hear it. It's like the man that looks, or the woman looks in the mirror. He beholds himself. What kind of person he is. <laughs> yeah, I got problems. I'm just going to walk away and forget about it. I'm just going to walk away. That's what happens. How do you do life? How do I do life? Are we allowing the word of God to penetrate? Are we digging deep to find that foundation that we have in Jesus Christ, our Lord? Are we hearing? Are we like the foolish man? Like Lot, a foolish man, you see. He was a righteous man. A righteous man. 
His soul was saved, but his life was lost. What an awful thing. A Christian can be like that, you see. First, for Corinthians 3, nothing to show. Looking back on their life, everything is burned up. You know, listen, the Pharisees in John chapter 8, they thought they knew God. They thought so. That is the danger. That is the danger of the self-initiated religion that, and, and, and the selfish thinking, not according to the word of God. I think that I'm righteous in my thinking. Somebody comes along and points it out. Oh, no, that's not me. It's not me. God give us wisdom to follow the word of God, to obey the word of God, to do the word of God for his namesake. Our father, we thank you. For this wonderful sermon that the Lord Jesus brought, we all realize, our Father, that we fall short in so many ways. But we thank you for the exhortation we have, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. We thank you that we can constantly assess and examine our lives to see if there be any wicked way in me. We have never arrived. Sometimes I, I get the impression that these folks that stood before the Lord, they thought they arrived. We've done many wonderful works and they were showing others how to do the wonderful works and, and professing your name. But they were not your children. Our Father, we pray that this will be impressed upon each of our hearts, especially if there's some here who don't know the Savior but think they're saved. Oh, God, may the Spirit of God impress us and convict us of our need and turn us in faith to the Savior. And for we who know the Lord Jesus, that our life will be adjusted, assessed and adjusted on a daily basis according to the word of God. And let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. In his name we pray. Amen.